0: Welcome to Chowder and Grits, the podcast for ACC and Hokies football. Today is Thursday, September 26th, and we have got week five in the ACC. Couple of big matchups to get to, couple of small ones, but we're really starting to jump into conference play here. And uh, it's the last week of September. That's pretty hard to believe. Uh, but thanks for being here. If it's your first time, be sure to hit that subscribe button, leave a review, and uh, you know tell your friends. We're glad you're here. But first off, Tim. What's going on?
1: Everything is going on, Justin. Everything is going on. I am getting ready to go to a wedding in Charlotte uh, this weekend, which I'm super excited about. It's uh, my high school best friend, Chris, if you're listening. Uh, Pre congratulations. Uh, but I'll be in Charlotte this weekend. Big so red, in, right? Yeah, big red. Yeah. Big red. Getting married. Look at that. Um, so, congrats. yeah, congratulations, uh, Chris and Kara. But. Uh the good thing is I'm prepping for that. So I've done a couple of things. I got a haircut yesterday as you do. You want to look nice and sharp going into the wedding. For sure. Especially if you're going to be standing in front of everybody. Yeah. And I've been bleaching my teeth. Uh the dentist gave me a free bleach kit about 2 years ago that I've used uh very sparingly. So I have plenty of it left even though it's a free trial. And I've gone after it two days. I gotta say the improvement has been noticeable. Not that I had mustard yellow teeth or anything, but there's a nice shine that wasn't there before. I just don't like how it makes my teeth feel. I'm now hyper aware of all of the teeth in my mouth all at once, and I'm I'm very sensitive, orally speaking.
0: Yeah, I uh, I recently went to the dentist, uh, and it had been a minute. It had been uh, almost four years <laughs> not <Ooh>. to, uh, <laughs> you know not to put a huge time stamp on it there but you know uh was very surprised with the condition of my mouth uh very good oral hygiene apparently there you go uh but they did use this like water air gun um, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that left my mouth feeling pretty uh pretty tingly for a couple of days but it was you just felt like everything In your mouth all at once, and it just it felt weird. So
1: I don't know. I I tell you, that's a good feeling when you get back into the swing of going to the dentist after a a long hiatus. Because you know, getting that first appointment, getting that foot back in the door after you know, let's say, a couple of years off from going to the dentist, that's a hard leap to make. Once you're in the uh, swing is. of, oh, your six-month checkup, you're fine. Yeah, because you, uh, you make
0: the appointment right there when you're in the office. Yeah, if you need to reschedule, yeah. they call you. You're like, oh, I can't make this. It's like, boom. it's already, I don't have to go out and find a dentist now. I already have one.
1: Right. It's nice. It's nice. But, you know, you move. Let's say you're in college. You, you move away from college, and all of a sudden it's five years. You haven't gone to the dentist, and your teeth start to hurt when you eat ice cream. So, you <laughs> know, you, you got to go and get that checked out. I've been there uh, not proud of it. Um, you know, but Hey, yeah. that's the price you pay.
0: I also haven't been at the doctor in about four years. So when I, I wish made I had that problem, the, uh, <laughs> when I made the dentist appointment, <laughs> I went ahead and made a doctor's appointment too, just a little general checkup. Uh, so yeah, I'm being, uh, being an adult, haven't been an adult, I guess for uh, about four years now, but you know, I'm back so, at it.
1: We're, since we're already in the space here, let's go ahead and commit a HIPAA violation. Have you had your blood tested? Um recently.
0: What do you mean by like tested?
1: Uh you know your blood sugars, your cholesterols, all that nonsense. No. Oh boy. Justin. Uh given that we're the same age, I feel like you need to go ahead and hop in there. Once you hit 30, it's like, you know, once a year type oil changing <laughs> yeah. situation. Yeah, that's why
0: that's why I'm going, you know. Oh gosh. Um, just figured <laughs> a little overdue. <laughs> a little, <laughs> bit, <laughs> so, uh, little bit. Yeah, I'm I'm assuming my uh results are not going to be as good as they were the last time I was there. Sure, uh, I was in a little sure. bit of a different physical state than <laughs> I am now. Um I mean, but, you you're not,
1: you don't have any ailments to speak of right now, so hopefully yeah. everything's going to be cool, you Right know? Yeah. But waiting for that blood test, especially now, um there's pressure involved with that. Uh you know, th- those blood tests are a big deal when you get to be, you know, 30,
0: 31, 32. So I guess i now I'm freaked out. Jeez,
1: <laughs> you totally should be. So welcome to the world of hypochondria. I'm your host, Tim Hurth. Let's get after it, man.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Well, I gotta tell you, I don't know how I'm gonna make the transition from getting your blood tested to Hokies football, but do it. Hopefully, they uh, they diagnose a few of the issues on the offense there in the. I got a transition.
1: You ready for this? Yeah. It's tangentially blood-related because for the Hokies fans, it's time to be positive.
0: It is time to be positive. I gotta tell you, like some of the stuff I've been reading, or er, like honestly, I'm I'm gonna I'll headline read here because I haven't bothered to click on the articles because I just feel like it's clickbait and I don't feel like wasting my time. But there's been a lot of articles around like this team is scared and they're fearful and right. all this crap, and I'm just like, right. are you, are you kidding me?
1: Yeah, we're jumping the shark, man. Nobody's scared. I was actually being serious about that. No one's scared.
0: No one's scared. This team just, you know, we're not a national championship caliber team, so I think we need to take our expectations down a few notches. Like, No doubt. You go out and you watch games with Notre Dame and Georgia, or you watch Clemson play, or you watch Alabama play. I went back and watched some of the highlights from the Alabama-Duke game. Yeah, we're not Alabama. I'll tell you that right now the amount of speed on that football team it's it's like they're playing a different sport yeah and no uh yeah virginia tech's not there and uh you know maybe they never will be and so i think as virginia tech fans it's just something you've got to uh got to get over um reset your expectations uh let's be a little bit more positive with uh with what we have here on the field today and uh it's young football team And hey, we're uh, looking
1: in the mirror here. Yeah. We've we've been guilty of of being on the Debbie Downer train for quite a while.
0: Yeah. Yeah, You know, that's really easy. We've had some reflection time coming out of the Mm bye. And on my drive home from work today, I often think about Virginia Tech football uh, among a variety of things because I have a very long commute with, uh, you know, traffic and whatnot. But yeah, I was thinking, you know what? We're. We're not even in the ballpark of being a national championship contender.
1: No, and that's fine. Right. Where we stand right now, that is fine. And
0: Um, it's okay, but we are in the ballpark of competing for the Coastal, we think. We don't know yet. Friday will be a good indicator of that. The, the um, ACC
1: Coastal is looking a bit like a mess. The ACC as a whole looking rather weak. Right. Um, if, if we're not a contender day, in the ACC Coastal, something's very wrong.
0: But at the end of the day, is if we win the ACC Coastal, I guess you know that's good for the program. I don't know how much it helped Pitt last year. But <laughs> yeah. you get a date well, with Clemson. Yeah. So congratulations. And I can tell you, nobody from the Coastal is going to beat Clemson. You're correct. So... You know, let's just reset the expectations. Let's turn it down a notch. Let's be a little bit more positive. And so let's let's talk about the Duke game, Tim. So, sure. this is a wide effect game, huge game for both teams, really. Um, but I'd say a little bit bigger for Virginia Tech since they're already 0-1 in the conference. Um, of course, they lost that home or that uh, away game to start the season against Boston College. Uh, but this is a Friday night game. For those that weren't aware, I think it's 7 p.m. Eastern, so uh, night game at Lane is always fun. Whiteout. let's see what they can do there. It looks like they're wearing all-white uniforms. They're honoring the 1999 team at halftime, I believe, um, which is the team that made the national championship, so a lot going on, Um, and both teams are coming off a bye, so they both had 13 days to kind of reset, get ready for this game. And uh, both have had kind of different starts to the season. So we were talking about Duke, of course, opening the year against Alabama. And, uh, you know, despite a first uh, quarter that, you know, they shut out Alabama, which was a shock, you know, they were only down 14-3 at half. And uh, I would take that as a win if I were Duke. And going back and watching the game, you know, what Duke did that really caused Alabama issues offensively in the first half was they blitzed and they blitzed and they blitzed and they were getting pressure on Tua. They were hitting them, you know, they were getting some sacks. So right there, I was like, you know what? That's going to be the approach against Virginia Tech because there, there was a lot of linebacker blitzes, a lot of safety blitzes, you know, a lot of disguise blitzes. And that, that is something that Virginia Tech has struggled against uh, so far this season. So I would certainly look for them to come out and try to do that. Uh, against the Hokies on Friday. The other thing I've noticed uh, watching some of the highlights from uh, North Carolina A&T in the Middle Tennessee, Tennessee State games is they love to throw the ball deep. And mm-hmm. Quentin Harris has a very nice arc and very nice uh, capability to throw the yeah. ball deep.
1: He, he throws a good deep ball.
0: He does. He, he's got a nice-looking arm. Um, he's also very mobile and he is certainly the the x-factor against the Hokies and you know I expect to see a lot of read options a lot of really quick throws a lot of screens a lot of option runs Um, there's going to be a lot of out routes so if you do blitz they are going to have a running back there or a tight end or somebody there ready to take the dump off pass Uh, you've I've seen that you know just watching some of the games over the last three weeks with them and that is typically caused the Virginia Tech defense issues uh, over the years and of course a mobile quarterback is always something that uh, gives Bud Foster uh, headaches and it has historically even when he does have some of the the better defenses but you know I think this offense this Duke offense does have a chance to give the Hokies some problems defensively and I think the one thing is you know if you get a big play or two I was I was thinking of a good analogy on the way home and you know, I was, I was thinking of the Wisconsin-Michigan game. So what did Wisconsin do to Michigan? They pounded the ball yes, they down did. their throats. I'd much rather give up a 85-yard touchdown pass in the air on blown coverage than to consistently be beat by the other team's offensive line and to have that team just run the ball down your throat consistently. And I feel like it's much easier to rebound from. It's it's much more fixable. If you're able to pound the rock, a lot like Kansas pounded it against uh, Boston College, a lot of times that's just something that they have found. You're not able to adjust as easily. You know, there's a personnel matchup. There's something like that. I don't see that from this Duke offense. I do think there might be a big play or two uh, that might happen through the air. But if this defense can limit the big play, which they've been better at this year than they were last year, that was definitely their Achilles heel last year. You know, I think they'll have a shot. Uh, it sounds like uh, Tawan Garbit is coming back, maybe, uh, He at least has uh, been back at practice. Uh, Damon Hazleton, the wide receiver who's been battling a hamstring, there's something a little bit iffy going on there, um, where it sounds like maybe he just doesn't like to practice a whole lot, and yeah. that's why the coaches are holding him out, so... Uh, th- that will be interesting to watch to see if you know he gets back on the field. But I don't know what your initial thoughts are, Tim. But that's kind of my overview of Duke and what I expect them to come out and do. No, I think it's a it's
1: a great overview. Um, one, I, I think we've seen a lot of struggle from the Hokies' offensive line when it comes to picking up blitzes, um, to say at least. That that's been a big problem for us, and so I'm a little concerned uh, with our ability to keep Ryan Willis upright in this game. When I watched Alabama. Uh, In Duke, it seemed like uh, Duke did a great job of getting pressure on the quarterback, and that's no easy feat when it comes to a line like Alabama. Um, They also limited the run when it came to Alabama. They held them to the lowest yardage uh, of any opponent this year. I think it was 2.8 yards per carry. Um, And that's just impressive no matter who you are. We already have struggles with the offensive line blocking, no matter the run or the pass. So like I said, I think the blitzes are going to— it's very important we pick up blitzes better, one— too, it's going to be important that our offensive line is going to be able to move the ball uh, at a much higher clip than 2.8 yards per carry uh, with Corey Nelson's uh, kind of philosophy and offense, which is even if you can't move the ball, we're going to continue to run it. Uh, as much as I like to disagree with that, I know that that's the route we're going to take. Um, and, and I do think that we, there will be plays uh, available to us on the edge of Duke's defense um, I, I think our wide receivers could have a field day here if we ever will get the ball in their hands in space. Trey Turner um, has Kaia Grimsley. I think there, there's big play potential there, but the issue is going to be what are you going to do about slowing down uh, that packed box when you're trying to run and what are you going to do uh, to stop all of the creative blitzing that they do, the stunts, um, and, and all of the zone blitzes they tend to run. So that's what I'm a little worried about on the offensive side of the ball defensively I think you nailed it Um, obviously uh, we're dealing with a quarterback in Harris who is uh, very much a kryptonite to Bud Foster a mobile quarterback is bad enough but a mobile quarterback that can take the top off of isolated cornerbacks is is even worse so when we see issues with Virginia Tech secondary most of the time it's on a deep ball because Bud does tend to leave his cornerbacks on islands um, with, with little safety help over the top. So what I'm hoping to see this game is that Bud uh, be a little aware uh, of that and maybe keep some, some cover two, cover three action at times to make sure that our quarterbacks aren't going to be complete toast uh, going deep because, as you mentioned, uh, Duke's quarterback has a very, very nice touch on his deep ball. He's got a good arm, um, and I think you can take advantage of that. Uh, you know, I, I hate to bring up you know bad memories, but if you look back to the ODU game last year, uh, they didn't really have success other than hucking the ball deep downfield. And again, they ran over us, but that's yeah. where I see the biggest potential for um going down early in this game is if we we blow a couple coverages on some deep balls and get exposed in that way.
0: And we're certainly playing better than that this year. And I've I've been pretty happy with how the secondary has played. You know, Farley looks like he's improving. Uh Jermaine Waller has been really good. Um, been a surprise. And then, of course, the safeties, you know, with uh, Divine Diablo and uh, Reggie Floyd are, are two of the anchors back there. So
1: And Shamari Connor too. Yeah, really Shamari Connor.
0: You know, I kind of always think of him as a linebacker because he's in that hybrid role. But right, yeah, right. he's uh, he's been super good. So he had a huge game against Furman. The defensive line is what really has been a disappointment. So maybe getting garbage back will help, uh, you know, kind of bring a little bit more uh, explosiveness to that defensive line um and you know hopefully guys like Belmar and Beckton can keep contributing Mario Kendricks has been pretty solid in uh, some limited action so um you know it, it's uh it's a big game for Virginia Tech because they've looked pretty mediocre to bad against Old Dominion and Furman and uh you know Duke has looked elite against North Carolina A&T and Middle Tennessee State that being said Obviously not the uh, highest of competition, but neither is Furman and ODU. So I think right. Duke is at a better state right now from their offensive attack. Both of these teams are very similar uh, as far as total yards per game. Duke is at 413. Virginia Tech's right around 400. Uh, both allowing around 230 to 250 yards passing. Uh, Duke is uh, Duke is actually, or that was actually... Um, That was actually offensively doing that. Duke is actually uh, averaging about 181 yards on the ground, Virginia Tech 152. So that, to me, is going to be the key to Virginia Tech's offense is if they can run the ball, if they can pound it with Kashawn King, sounds like he's going to be a full go. Um, I think that's really going to open up this offense, and we should start to see maybe a few more shots taken downfield. But it's also one of those things, Tim, where I'm going to have to see it to believe it. Because yeah. we've been yeah. talking about it now all season and we haven't seen it. We saw glimpses of it for a series or two against Furman before King got hurt, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Well, the Jerry Kill effect, is that something that is real? You know? Yeah. Are we gonna see a difference on offense? And I think it'll be pretty obvious. I don't I don't know if we're gonna see like a, you know, transformational effect on offense, but yeah. Um you know, maybe we'll see a little bit more creativity on first and second down. So we're not looking at third and five and third and 10, you know, every single series. Um, yeah, I think
1: that's what you see. it. obviously, wholesale changes to an offense is kind of a tight window to make those kind of changes, even with a bye week. Um, but what you will see is I think tendencies uh, will be a, a big thing for us. And are we going to continue to run it if the run's not there? Are we going to continue to pass it? How are we going to pass it? Are we going to look deeper downfield than we typically had? Because remember, the length of the routes we were running have to be some of the shortest in college football. Are we going to be going to be more aggressive? Going to be more vertical? Those are the kind of changes that I would I would expect to see and hope to see. Um, but I think uh, more than likely, based on what we've heard, uh, the changes we will see will probably be uh, be most apparent in the running game. Um, so maybe more creative plays uh, from the run. Like I said, mixing some counters, some delays, some off tackles. Jet sweeps. Um, jet sweeps, of course, more jet sweeps. Um, but more ways to get the ball towards a line of scrimmage in a faster way. So I don't know if that means running you know, out of a different formation other than the shotgun, uh, maybe a little pistol action. Uh, we'll see. But th- that's where I would expect to see the most changes. And I think one of the biggest things we need to point out, too, is uh, Silas Sani going to have to give us a better game. Uh, he did not play well last game out and he's going to need to step up in a big way. Um you know, we can't have another one of those games where uh blockers are getting through and defensive ends are getting through unblocked. We we can't have that against an opponent like Duke.
0: Yeah, and I think he will play better. I mean, we we had never seen him play like that uh in any of his career starts, so you know, I'm willing to look at that as an anomaly or if something else was going on then um can get past it. Now, the coaches should have been able to tell if something was up with him in practice this week. And then if not, you know, I don't think they'd have any issues sticking in Luke Tanuda because he actually played very well Yeah, uh, when he, he came he, in. he certainly
1: so. played well. But, you know, I think Silas gives you a little bit more upside. And and I'd like to see, uh, you know, the old Silas come back a little bit. And, um, you know, but like you said, big props to Tenuta and, and being able to plug that hole when we needed him.
0: So let's wrap up this, uh, this preview. I don't know where you stand, Tim, but... You know, I'm uh, doing my best to look at this game objectively, and that's always tough when you're talking about me and the Virginia Tech Hokies, but, you know, to be honest right now, if I'm, uh, if I'm putting money on this game, I'm going to put it on Duke, and I just think that they've looked better this year. Uh, they're taking care of the ball, and I think Harris has been superior to Willis, and I'm worried about uh, this defense, how they're going to match up consistently. Um, And why I'm worried about that is I don't think the defense is going to get gashed necessarily. I'm just worried that, you know, Duke is going to score too many points for our offense, which has struggled this year to to match it and or, you know, surpass it. So that being said, if I think, you know, if Virginia Tech plays to their ability on offense, uh, they finally break out of their shell, uh, they most certainly can win this football game. But I just I need to see it first. Uh so yeah. that being said, I'm gonna go duke in this one 34 Uh very, very hopeful I'm wrong, but you know, we'll see.
1: Yeah, I I'm with you. This this to me is a complete toss up and I would love to err on the side of it's time to show me, because it is. Um we've been waiting for this Virginia Tech team to look like the team we expected and whether or not it's going to happen this year, we're kinda of running out of time. Um I will say that given that it's a night game in Lane Stadium. I think the crowd's going to be fired up. I think there's going to be a lot of energy. Um, I'm going to go Hokies 34-31, and literally what I see is a toss-up game. I'm giving us the edge in this because it is going to be at home at night. Um, So, yeah, give me the Hokies in a close one.
0: So a couple of fun North Carolina stats for Virginia Tech, and then we'll move on. Hokies are 8-0 against teams from North Carolina under Fuente. There you go. 3-0 against Duke. And they've won four of the last five against Duke, 13-2 since entering the ACC back in 2004. So, um, yeah, there was a day where you would have said two losses, are you kidding me, to Duke? But that is not the the case anymore. So, let's see what happens. Friday night should be a fun one. Uh, Another interesting game, Tim, at least uh, if you're just looking at the names and maybe if you didn't know anything about this one team. But Clemson is on the road against North Carolina. Uh, Tigers are 26.5-point favorites, so um, something we failed to mention last week, I was listening to a uh, Clemson podcast earlier this week, and Clemson played 111 players in their game (laughs) against Charlotte.
1: That's insanity.
0: I didn't even know that was possible.
1: (laughs) That's insanity, man.
0: They dressed, I think, 113 and played 111.
1: God, those those two have to feel real special that didn't get to And go, maybe you know, i play. maybe I
0: have that wrong, maybe it was a hundred and eleven for a hundred and eleven I don't know, but a hundred and eleven players saw the field for Clemson uh yeah, just had no idea that was even possible i I mean obviously that's a lot of practice squad guys and walk ons and things like that. I didn't even know you could have that many practice squatters, but you right know, shows shows what I know. You know, obviously, Clemson is the class of the ACC. you got Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, Justin Ross, T. Higgins. you got a legit defense. I don't expect this game to be close. You know, UNC looks like they're trending in the wrong direction right now against kind of a really bad time with Clemson coming into town. Uh, They're going to have to keep this game close to have any shot of a fourth consecutive fourth-quarter comeback attempt. I don't think it's in the cards for uh, for Sam Howe, but... You know, if North Carolina could come out, surprises, keep it close for a quarter or two, I think that would be a win for them. Uh, but really, it's it's Clemson will pull away at some point in this game. I've got them winning big, 55-10.
1: Yeah, I mean, same for me. Obviously, um, I'm not even going to throw a score prediction out there, but I would expect something in the neighborhood of what you said. Uh, UNC just doesn't have the horses to keep up, and, and who could blame them? No one does.
0: I was kind of surprised um, the spread was only 20, 26 and a half.
1: Yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about that either. Uh, it seems light, Uh, you know, uh, Clemson's just capable of running the score up on anybody in the conference. And honestly, there are very few of any teams that could keep it that close with Clemson in the conference right now. So, you know, it's, it's nothing. We won't learn anything about UNC during this game. This won't be, uh, anything negative to UNC getting beaten like this. Anyone would, um, You know, it's just if you're UNC, you hope you go in there, stay healthy and come out on the back end with a somewhat respectable game. And, uh, you know, Clemson will keep on rolling.
0: Uh, UVA at Notre Dame. So this is a uh, intriguing matchup. 3.30 Eastern on NBC. Fighting Irish are a 12 and a half point favorite. uh, Coming off a strong performance against Georgia where they allowed 150 yards on the ground. And that's against the Georgia team. That was absolutely Eating yards against anybody they were playing. So far under what they had been allowing uh, because Notre Dame was getting gashed on the ground. So that's going to be something to watch because Virginia is a team that can't run the football out of the backfield. They can run it Correct. with Bryce Perkins, but their running backs are lacking considerably. So, you know, will UVA be able to have success on the ground against Notre Dame? We'll see. Uh, I kind of doubt it because they haven't had success running on the ground at all this year. Uh, One thing they have had success is on defense, Tim. So Virginia currently leads the nation in sacks with 20 through four games. And that's impressive. If you take away the yardage lost on sacks, they're averaging about 3.53 yards per carry. So Mendenhall in the preseason, his goal was to average or allow 3.5 yards per carry or less because that is apparently the barometer of teams that win 10 games or more is allowing 3.5 yards per carry on the ground. So with the sack yardage, they're allowing about 2.2 yards. Notre Dame is also a team that is not great at running the football. They've got one back in Tony Jones, who is kind of their workhorse, their bell cow. He's very solid, but he's pretty much the only guy that's back there. And he got, I think, almost every snap against Georgia. Uh, that's eventually going to wear down. Ian Book is a guy who can move the ball, uh, or move out of the pocket with the ball, and he he can be pretty good on the run at times. But definitely not a guy uh, as dynamic as a Bryce Perkins. So uh, the running games for for either of these teams is not very good. Uh, who is pretty good? Tim is Ian Book out of the yeah. pocket. He's a very efficient passer, very accurate. Um, he, you know, he did have two picks against Georgia, but. You know, other than that, he doesn't have an incredibly strong arm, but he is very accurate at throwing the ball down the field. So that's going to be interesting to watch going against this Virginia secondary, which has some big playmakers led by Bryce Hall, obviously. But, uh, you know, one thing that really kind of stood out was he does get a little bit antsy in that pocket when he's pressured. Oh, he does. He does. So Virginia does lead the nation in sacks. They do have a good secondary. He gets a little bit uncomfortable when pressured. My biggest question is, is that Notre Dame offensive line that much better than Virginia's defensive line? And so that's going to be kind of like the the X factor, the big key matchup of the game for me is who's going to win it in the trenches. Because if that defense can force Book to, to make some bad decisions, I think UVA's got a chance in this game. I still think from an athlete perspective and from a coaching standpoint, you know, cause you could say Florida state from an athletes perspective could beat anybody, but their coach is awful. You know, Notre Dame has a good coach and they've got elite athletes. And I think comparatively that's going to wear Virginia down over the course of the game, you know, a 12 and a half point spread. I like Notre Dame to, to cover Uh, Probably win by a little bit more than two touchdowns, maybe by 17 points is kind of what I'm thinking. Um, 27 to 10 type of game, but I will be interested to see how Bryce Perkins does, Tim, against this defense because it's a front seven that's been inconsistent to start the season. They did have a nice day last week. Can they build off of that? Can they contain Bryce Perkins? Because as we mentioned in our last episode, if you make Bryce Perkins beat you with the throw, UVA will lose the game.
1: Yeah, I there's no doubt. I mean, that if if they're able to do that, uh it would be a huge boon to them, no question. The, I what I see here are two very very similar teams uh in the way that they work and the way that their offenses are set up and kind of the personnel that they have. Um the key to obviously defeating Notre Dame is controlling Ian Book, and as you mentioned that you do that with pressure. The one thing on UVA side as you mentioned is they just get so many sacks. I mean, The linebacking core of Jordan Mack, Charles Snowden, Noah Taylor, and Zane Zandier is just eating up opposing quarterbacks, and that 3-4 defense they utilize really frees them up to do a lot of pass rushing in creative ways from the linebacker spots. So the key there is going to be can Notre Dame neutralize that pass rush, as you mentioned. Um, I'm not so sure. That is highly, highly effective uh, to have 20 sacks at this point in the season. It's still early on. if Ian Book starts scrambling, which, as you said, he he tends to do when the pocket breaks down because of his height, uh, he likes to get out to see a little better. Who doesn't? Um, but he's he's not necessarily a great passer on the run. He's a good passer on the run, not a great passer on the run. I think Virginia's going to do enough to make Ian Book uncomfortable and make this game close to a toss-up for me. I'm going to take Notre Dame and, and give them seven points here. Um, but UVA is going to make this close. I think this is a team that UVA matches up very, very well with. Um, one that isn't necessarily explosive on offense. Uh, one with a highly efficient quarterback and, and not much of a run game. Uh, you know, still a much better run game than UVA as far as what they get out of their running backs. Uh, but could be better. Um, and if you can uh, if you can cause problems for Ian Book, you can stay in the game with Notre Dame. So even with the great showing against Georgia at their backs, I'm going to say this one's going to be tight. Seven points to Notre Dame. But don't be surprised if UVA's in it till the very, very, very end.
0: It's a big game for UVA because they have gotten a lot of uh, positive press. They're the media darling. And they didn't look very good last week. And they come into this game ranked 18th in the country. I think a poor showing will be be pretty negative for UVA because there's obviously yeah. this rhetoric around the country right now that, you know, the ACC is a terrible conference and you know, it's it's tough to argue with right now. It it hasn't been very good to start the season. <laughs> no. Um so UVA from an ACC standpoint, if they have a good showing, uh you know, that that would be a positive. Um uh, but there's some kind of statistic I don't have it in front of me, but Notre Dame has never lost to a ranked ACC opponent, uh, during the regular season. Wow. So, um, and I'd, I'd have to double check that. It's something around those lines. Obviously they lost to Clemson last year in the college football playoff.
1: Sure.
0: Um, but I think we're talking regular season here. They've, they've got a pretty good track record. So, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, I will definitely be, uh, tuned into this one. Um, Big game for both schools, and uh yeah, let's see how uh, Notre Dame can bounce back from the loss. Another uh, big game, Tim, at the same time, Wake Forest at Boston College, 330 Eastern on the ACC Network. Wake is a seven-point road favorite, so that tells you what Vegas thinks of them. They come in scoring 38 points per game. They're averaging over 533 total yards, 330 through the air, 200 on the ground. They're only allowing 120 on the ground, so... That's obviously going to be the key matchup. What can Boston College do against this Wake defense? It's a Wake defense that we didn't think would be particularly strong this season. Um, and, of course, you know, Wake hasn't played the most difficult schedule. They had a game against Utah State. They got a game against North Carolina. They were coming off a win against Elon last week. Uh, but either way, they've looked very good in uh, the majority of their wins, especially offensively. So I think the big issue is, you know, um, Boston College is a very run heavy uh offense. They've got a power That's run right. formation, two tight end sets typically. You know, they like to pound the rock. They've got two really good running backs, A.J. Dillon, obviously, everybody knows about him, but if you're not as familiar with David Bailey, that guy uh can can carry the load as well. So those are really kind of the two catalysts of this Boston College offense. Anthony Brown seems like he's more of a game manager at this point. Uh it seems like he's regressed since week one um and so how he plays I think is going to to be critical to the success of Boston College in this game but um I really like Wake I think they're going to to win this game I think it has a chance to be close uh but Jamie Newman has just been so good dare I say one of the best quarterbacks in the nation for one of the top offenses oh yeah that's uh, totally fair I just think Boston College after the first two weeks they've looked like a completely different team offensively and at times defensively if you look at the Kansas game so you know will Zay Flowers pop up you know will they be able to get something out of Anthony Brown you know they need some something dynamic outside of the run game to come back and give this unit life
1: right I agree um they're gonna need something they need a spark in the worst way I don't see it coming against Wake Forest um You know, if you lined up Jamie Newman with Sam Ellinger and Tua Tagovailoa, Tagovailoa, and you just looked at the stats, uh, you know everybody's in love with Ellinger and and Tagovailoa, and and even throw Justin Fields in there with Ohio State. If you just did a a a blind test, looked at you know a player A, B, C, D type scenario with no names, and just looks at stats, um, you you would have Jamie Newman right there neck and neck with all those guys. I don't think people are giving him enough credit. Uh, and part of that is where he plays in the market he plays for the program he plays. I get it, uh, but Jamie Newman is something special uh what he 's done since he 's come in is is outstanding from a statistical standpoint um it, it's it's almost unheard of uh for a quarterback uh, at Wake Forest uh but almost unheard of for any school in the nation at this point in the season so um you know, as I was reading an article on SB Nation where I got that, uh, that blind test from when I was looking at it, it really surprised me because I'd never looked at him in the frame of other big-name quarterbacks. Um, but what he's doing is so hard to stop, and specifically what that Wake Forest offense is doing is so hard to stop because it's not just Jamie Newman. They've got that stable of running backs that are so effective in the running game that schemes so well. With the unique version of the read option that they run, the defenses can't seem to figure out um, you know, you've got a, a big bruising back like Cade Carney that you have to stop in addition to a big bruising quarterback in Jamie Newman that can carry the rock and hits like Cam Newton in his prime, uh, but also has an amazing ability to pass that I think is underrated because of how well he moves the ball on the ground. Yeah, very good uh,
0: deep ball too.
1: Yeah, very good deep ball. Big I mean, wide receivers.
0: Is, like, yep. there's there's a lot of playmakers on this Wake yeah. offense that go, you know, they they're overlooked because... They're they're playing in Winston-Salem, but I tell you sure. what, they keep winning games. Well,
1: yeah, you know, look at what Sage Sherrod has brought to that offense. There's a I chance
0: mean, they're going to be undefeated heading into the matchup against Clemson, which I believe is in mid to late November.
1: That's right, and and let me tell you, that would be an exciting game because I'm not even sure Clemson was as good as their defense is could completely neutralize Wake's offense with the way it's going right now. Uh, Dave Clawson and company have a scheme that is hard to defend with a quarterback like they've never had before. Um, and and few have. And when you talk about a physical specimen, that's also able to make plays to the air on the ground uh, and does so efficiently and limits turnovers. 15 touchdowns, two interceptions uh, right now is what we're dealing with with Jamie Newman uh, passing as well as anybody in the country. Boston College doesn't have the horses to slow him down. Uh, and I expect Wake to, to roll here fairly easily by a couple touchdowns. Uh,
0: Georgia Tech at Temple, Tim. What I'm most surprised about here, this game at 3.30 on CBS Sports Network, uh, the Owls are only a nine-point favorite. I couldn't figure out why that was so low. Yeah. Um, you know, Jeff Collins, he heads back to Philadelphia to take on his old team. It's probably not going to be you know the greatest trip for him. You know, Temple comes in, they've got wins over Bucknell, they stopped a red-hot Maryland team um, and beat them, but then they followed that up with a loss against Buffalo last week. So, you know, Maryland came in at the time, they were averaging over 330 yards on the ground. Temple held them to 79 in the first half, under 400 total yards for the game, you know, and they turned the ball over three times. That's been Temple's Achilles heel is turnovers. They have not been able to consistently hold on to the football. It cost them against Buffalo. You know, the Bulls only had 62 yards through the air. But Temple's quarterback, Anthony Russo, threw three picks. And there was also a fumble by the offense. So, you know, that being said, I think they could probably turn the ball over five times and still win this game. You know, Georgia Tech just cannot find its offensive identity. They're averaging less than 300 yards of total offense per game. Right. They're giving up almost 300 yards of rushing uh, um, on defense. And, you know, running the ball is something that Temple can do pretty well. They've got a couple of nice running backs. And uh, Jaeger Gardner, great name. He's great averaging name, man. five yards per carry. Uh, Ramon Davis averaging 6.8 yards per carry. Leads the team in rushing. It's going to be a long day for Georgia Tech, I think. They've got their one win over UCF, obviously coming off the loss to the Citadel you know, I don't think that's going to bode well against a team like Temple on the road.
1: No, it, it won't. And we're talking about a Georgia Tech team here that could only score 24 points against the Citadel. Um, it, it's going to be tough sledding for Georgia Tech to make any sort of positive impact in this game, regardless of, you know, where the line is, who's favored. Um, it, it really, it, it shouldn't be close. Temple should have no problem here. Uh, although David Curry on Georgia Tech's side, is linebacker is going to do everything he can to slow down that Temple running game. Um, that defense may have a better time against Temple, but the offense is, uh, they're struggling mightily. They're looking for an identity. They're looking for playmakers that don't exist. Uh, Keep an eye on Jalen Camp if you're looking for someone that may have a good day for Georgia Tech, a wide receiver who had a fairly good game against against the Citadel uh, not too long ago. But I don't expect a big game from Georgia Tech here. Um, Unfortunately, I think Temple's got this one in the bag, and it's going to be a lot to a little. Uh, at the end of the game.
0: Uh, NC State at FSU, so a big uh, ACC-Atlantic matchup. And, uh, you know, the Seminoles, Tim, they're coming off a win against Louisville. They're a a six-and-a-half-point home favorite. And NC State is a team that they've struggled offensively the last two games. So uh, West Virginia and Ball State, um, they've just looked pretty inconsistent on offense. And that really starts with the quarterback, Matt McKay, You know, he needs to play better. Not sure if we're going to see any of the other two quarterbacks they have, but, you know, FSU also dealing with a little bit of a quarterback situation. Uh, James Blackman left the game the third quarter last week, ended up having a sprained MCL. He has been practicing this week, uh, so he hasn't been missing any drills, anything like that. So it sounds like he's probably going to play. If he doesn't, Alex Hornibrook is more than capable to take the load. That's the Wisconsin grad who uh, who played pretty well last week. The big thing with NC State, Tim, and I think it's going to be a huge key to this game, is can they stop Cam Akers? And, you know, their rushing defense has been strong. They're only giving up 76 yards per game. Uh, through the air, they're giving up about 232. The defense is definitely the strong suit, even though they got gashed pretty good against West Virginia. A lot of that was how the offense set them up. Uh, but I don't know. What do you What do you think about this one? what What are uh, What are NC State's chances to knock off the old Seminoles?
1: So you know, it, it's tough to say because against two vastly inferior inferior opponents, NC State's defense looked very very good, and against the one opponent with a pulse, it looked very very bad. So it's hard to say. The strength of the team should be in the defense. That's a very deep, talented defense. Um, they're without James Smith Williams on the defensive line. Uh, He's been missing the last couple of games, and he is the best player on the defense at at a defensive end. So uh, it would be huge to be able to get uh, JSW back for NC State. Slowing down the Florida State offense in the first half is an adventure. Slowing down Cam Akers, period, is an adventure. Um, There's no doubt NC State has the horses to do it and the talent to do it. The question is, can they put the scheme together that's going to function? Uh, As you alluded to, Matt McKay has been iffy uh in in two in his two most recent starts he's been missing passes intermediate short down the field it doesn't matter um there is a good chance that the former fsu transfer bailey hockman gets into the game for nc state which would make for a nice little storyline against his old team um what happens i don't know i mean this game is so difficult to predict because i don't know which jekyll and hyde florida state team we're going to get and that varies by half and I don't know which version of NC State we're going to get. Is it going to be the team that looked good against inferior opponents? Is it going to be the team that struggled against West Virginia? Um, that That's a good guess for anyone. I will say I don't expect Matt McKay to perform any better in this game than he has up to this point. Um, I think we've seen the limit of what Matt McKay can do at quarterback for NC State. Um, and if NC State does struggle early, I expect uh, Bailey Hawkman to be put in the game fairly quickly. Um, I think Dave Dorn is growing rather frustrated with the inconsistencies of his offense, uh, and I don't expect him to wait to pull that plug much longer.
0: It also sounds like uh, Bam Knight is dealing with a hamstring injury, so that's something to watch there. If he can't play, who's going to step up in that run game? So That's right. Um,
1: that's right, and you got a pretty good chance of Jordan Houston, who's looked very good, freshman out of Maryland. Um, who's probably got the most explosive ability out of the backfield, even though he's a little undersized, and Ricky Person Jr., who can handle the rock pretty well too. If you are going to have injuries in your NC State, probably the best place to have injuries right now is that running back. Um, obviously, what you get at Bam Knight is above and beyond what anybody else in that backfield can provide, but you know, there's certainly depth there to cover for NC State. I think uh, another one of the issues too is the patchwork offensive line that NC State has right now um it, it has no depth so if, if, if NC State has a couple more injuries in the offensive line uh, they run into real issues uh Aquanu has been playing great for NC State as a swing tackle um and, and getting a lot of time for Emmanuel McGirt at left tackle um but behind him Ikki Aquanu is already a true freshman so where do you go from there it's tough to say so if NC State can stay healthy throughout this game I think they stand a fairly good shot of beating Florida State um but as you mentioned, the injuries are already piling up. And if we see any more, it's going to get tough for NC State. So um, again, a complete toss up. Um, I'm gonna say Florida State wins this one close. Uh I'm I just need to see consistency out of the NC State offense that I haven't seen yet to feel comfortable picking them in Tallahassee.
0: You know, typically for a game like this where, you know, I think both team have their, you know, strengths and weaknesses, I always go with the head coach that I think is better. And there's no doubt to me, Dave Dorn is the better head coach in this situation. I think Willie Taggart will find a way to blow this. And uh, I expect NC State to come away with the win. Fair enough. Uh, Let's move on to smaller games to talk about here. So we've got Holy Cross at Syracuse. This is on the ACC network at noon. Uh, not much to say here. If you're in Syracuse, you can get tickets for two dollars. So why don't you head out to the old, uh, old Carrier Dome and go see the the Orange take the field? Heck yeah. Uh, what I'd like to see here is just you know a big day from Tommy DeVito. You know, a nice little rushing attack by the by the offense and then a defense to come out and just completely shut down Holy Cross. So Holy Cross, uh, you know, an FCS opponent, uh, coming off a twenty three ten loss to Yale. They've lost 45-7 to to Navy. Their one win is against New Hampshire, 13-10. So I'm not expecting big things. I'd be surprised if they have more than three points in this one. Uh, but Syracuse should roll.
1: Yeah, and if you're DeVito, this is a great chance to keep building on some recent successes and hopefully get some consistency in your quarterback play. Um, I know I'd certainly feel better about Syracuse's chances heading into the ACC season, or at least the bulk of the ACC season. Um, if they were able to get a little more consistency out of their quarterback play. So uh, great chance for DeVito to kind of settle in, uh, calm down against an inferior opponent, make some plays. I think, uh, you know, a Holy Cross team comes at a great time for Syracuse, who hasn't had the easiest start uh, to the season schedule wise. So obviously Syracuse a lot, Holy Cross a little at the end of the game, but I think this is more important from a development standpoint, standpoint uh, for DeVito. Um, And where does he stand after this game looking back on his, you know, five game start to the season?
0: So last game, we'll talk about Tim Delaware at Pitt. This is on a uh, regional coverage ACC network, 1230 Eastern time. Uh, Pitt is a 28 point favorite. You know, Penn's coming off a win against Penn or Delaware's coming off a win against Penn. I should say 28, 27. They've lost to North Dakota state. They beat Rhode Island in triple overtime and, there's a school named DSU. I don't know who that is. So, you know, Delaware, FCS opponents. This should be a game that Pitt wins easily. What I'd really like to see from Pitt here, Tim, is running the football. Yes. So can somebody finally carry the ball for more than, you know, three yards a carry? So sure. A.J. Davis seems to be the lead back. He's got 42 carries on the on the year, which is almost double the The closest person that's a running back, Kenny Pickett's got 35 for 83 yards. Uh, Let's see if they can get him going. You know, Kenny Pickett, he'll probably not throw the ball 47 times in this game, I would hope. If he is, that probably means this game is way closer than they expected. I'll probably see a little bit of Nick Patty in this one. Um, You know, maybe a few more passes by Aaron Matthews, but, you know, I don't expect Pitt to struggle. I expect him to win. Uh, I'm not going to... Picked them to cover a 28 point spread. I'm just not that comfortable with them yet, but at the same time, uh, I think we should see some reserves in this game at some point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that DSU you were looking for is probably Delaware State. Uh, the that Hornet. was my assumption. But yeah, yeah. Uh, the Hornets out of Dover, Delaware, uh, the famed HBCU. Um, you know, I, I expect Pitt to be able to run the ball here. I mean, Delaware is not the best of opponents, although they are a fairly good FCS team. Um, yeah, I expect Pitt to obviously have an easy time with with things for this game. And again, a Pitt team that's really surprised me this year. So if you're looking for a team that's really uh, been the biggest surprise, I think you're looking at Pitt for me. Are they going to be able to continue to have that consistent play from Kenny Pickett? Uh, you know, that that's going to be a big key here is is consistency for him from the quarterback position. Is that defense going to continue to come out and throttle, especially on that defensive line? I think so um you know a pit pretty easily here but again a nice break for them as they head into the bulk of ACC play
0: yeah so it's uh it's not a full conference slate in the ACC this week but we're getting there I think uh I think next weekend will be really the start of all conference games all the time for the most part you always got your uh few changes in there but any uh anything specifically you want to point out Tim as we head into week five no nothing
1: I want to point out um you know, I'm, I'm going to miss quite a bit of the games because of the wedding this weekend, so we will have to do some condensed YouTubing before our recap podcast. Um, so that should be a fun time. But yeah, it's 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 kind of like the calm before the storm right now. Uh, we, we had a taste of the couple outer bands of this storm, but now we're getting ready to get into the meat of this thing, and we have a nice little lull here to kind of relax and and take it easy, and, and let's enjoy Friday night. I think it's cool that we get one of those Wacky Wake Forest Fridays of our own, Um, in Lane Stadium we have the potential to have a really really good atmosphere Um, and and let's just let's hope that we see what we thought we would see from the beginning of the season let's hope that we see some strides forward for the Hokies Um, you know and and just enjoy a good football team and a very competitive football game Uh, a Duke team that is very very good this year and I think even better than most people thought they would be so uh, you know I'm fired up for it I'm ready for football in Lane Stadium.
0: Yep, time to see who's the pretender, who's the contender. We're at that point, so it's the uh, the turning point, really, as we play the last few games of September. Yeah, but, and, and I just want to
1: point out that word you said, "turning point," that really sticks with me here. If you have a bad game and you're looking at zero and two in the ACC, that's going to be fairly grim.
0: Yeah, that's going to be a tough hole to dig out, even in the coastal, where you know I think. You could probably have three losses and potentially win the coastal this year. I think yeah. any more than three would be would be tough. Um, just because I don't I don't see UVA losing three coastal games. No, 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 no. So, I mean,
1: we're really I mean, the more I think about this, this is a must win for the Virginia Tech Hokies as far as I'm is. concerned. You, it is you, your home games, especially in the fortress that is Lane Stadium, are, are 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 some games that you can't afford to give up. With the way that UVA is playing. And the way the coastal is shaking out, you go zero and two. I mean, you might as well kiss your chances of a coastal division championship goodbye at that point. And I hate to be that grim, but that's the fact. Well, if you go,
0: if you go zero and two, you got to win out, which right. is which unlikely if, if you you're go zero and 2. two.
1: Right? If you go right. zero and two, are you winning out? Probably not. Um, and again, I think the noise surrounding the program gets. Uh, more negative in an exponential way if that's what to happen if if that is what occurs fair or not to Justin Fuente um there are going to be some unhappy campers in Blacksburg uh if we're going to be looking at and two. so um you know you know cheer your heart out get ready to support the Hokies because they're going to need you and that is a huge game
0: yeah it's a big one and anytime there's a uh night game in lane it's always uh always a good time so Uh, That is our show for today. We are Chowder and Grits. Thanks for listening. If this is your first time or if you have listened before and haven't hit that subscribe button, go ahead and do so. Maybe leave us a review as well. Tell us how we're doing. Uh, Five stars is really what we'd like to see. Uh, Four stars is is passable. Really, if it's not four or five, you know, you don't have to do anything. So just keep on going. You can listen to us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Store, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, anchor fm and iheartradio that's a mouthful i'm just gonna start saying anywhere you can listen to, to podcasts but sure tim why don't you uh tell these people what they can do for us
1: as justin mentioned leave reviews share our post uh watch the great british breaking show on netflix if you haven't already uh, all of these things would make me happy i know they'd make us happy um again and interact with us on social media let us know what topics you'd like us to cover let us know, uh, basically, what you're watching, anything like that. We love any social interaction we can get uh, through our social media channels. So hit us up. We look forward to it. Uh, that's going to close out the show for today. Um, and uh, you know, we're all looking forward to Friday. So instead of a Go ACC, I'm going to leave you with a
0: Go Hokies today. See you guys later.